Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of JA's Recipe for Success. I am Lori Salarulo, your host, the president and CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida. I absolutely love doing the show. I hope that you've caught some of our past uh, episodes uh, with some of the leaders that we've spoken to. I love learning about people and what, what makes them tick, right? What makes them who they are? What makes them great leaders or entrepreneurs uh, or community leaders for that matter, right? Making an impact in our community. And so I am just so thrilled that I have the pleasure to do that. And today I am honored. I was just sharing with our guests that I have watched her from afar and seen her at events and said, I'm going to meet that lady one day. Um, and so today I have the pleasure of having her here with us. Um, chief Rhoda May Kerr, Fort Lauderdale's first fire rescue chief. Quite an accomplishment, that on its own. Jersey girl, I noticed she was born in the next town over. Uh, fourth generation firefighter, Dolphins fan, golfer. Um, just all around amazing trailblazer. Um, and uh, powerhouse. So welcome, Chief Kerr. Well, good thank morning, you, Lori. Good morning. So good to be here. Ah, so great to have you. So of course, I know that one of the first questions people will ask, and we're going to go back in time a little bit at some point, but I do have to ask straight out of the box, right? How, you know, firefighting is, is a man's world, right? No doubt about it, right? You're yeah. in the minority. As a <laughs> yes. and, and especially as a fire chief, you're yeah. really in the minority, I would imagine. Um, but I have to tell you, I watch Chicago Fire all the time. Love that show. Um, <laughs> I watch and, it too, and, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And the women are predominantly paramedics versus right the fire uh, on the fire team. Talk a little bit about what that's like, right? And and what that means for you. And I, I do want to talk about, because I'm sure at some point we'll talk about some of the challenges that possibly help shape you in, in a man's world, but just talk for a minute about being that. Well, you know, when you go back to when I started, which was 1983, we were very few women that were career uh, firefighters. Mm -hmm. And the biggest challenges were always, um, and some of it was acceptance and uh, being treated differently. I mean, even if you go right to the very beginning, just trying to get hired was the big challenge because there's always a physical ability test and that's important, you know, to be a firefighter in that profession. But uh, tests were, physical ability tests were constructed so that women couldn't pass, you know, or we could pass, but we were scored. And so obviously on certain areas, the men could score higher, like how many pull-ups can you do in two minutes? And the more you did, the more points you got. So that was their way of keeping us out of the fire service. But, you know, one way or another, we managed to prevail and it ended up with, you know, a federal lawsuit uh, at one point by uh, the city of New York, the fire department there, they filed, the women filed a lawsuit. And uh, that kind of changed what physical ability tests could look like. So that was the very first part. Then once you got in, the challenges were uh, shared bathrooms. There were no bathrooms or showers designated for women. And in some cases, you know, departments didn't even put locks on the doors, you know. And so uh, it was all those challenges uh, and then gear that didn't fit, you know, um, you know, women have 
most women, not me, I'm tall, I'm almost six foot tall. So it's a little different for me, but for some of the women, smaller hands and gloves and boots, you know, things just did not fit, uh, uniforms, all those things. So as we've evolved over the last, now I've been in the fire service 38 years, so yeah. we've certainly evolved. And But I remember very clearly one time saying, to myself, one of these days I'm going to be in charge and I'm going to be able to make a difference. So, um, you know, I, and I believe you have. So advocacy, right? You're talking about, right, the women coming together uh, and making change like that. You talked about acceptance, right? And and in a sense, discrimination um, in many ways. Um, and I, I did see that in your bio and, and just watching some of your stuff on social media, that you are um, extremely involved in uh, organizations, right? That are uh, helping to raise up uh, minorities, including women, right? Girl Scouts of America. <clears throat> and I love that because we have to raise up our girls. So talk a little bit about acceptance because you know, all of these videos, by the way, these shows, our students get to watch. And, and for those that don't know, we serve 55,000 students a year. Um, and around entrepreneurship, workforce readiness, and financial literacy. And so much of it is built around confidence, right? And, and their success is built around confidence. And acceptance is so important to confidence. So how did you deal with that? Like, especially a young girl, I want them to hear that from you. So, um, you know, some of it is, um, first of all, confidence in yourself and your own physical capabilities. I mean, I think that was number one. And I also believe my height helped. You know, I'm not a small, you know, little tiny woman. I'm strong. I'm athletic. You know, so that helped in a lot of ways, you know. Um, but that doesn't mean that the small women weren't just as comfortable it's just as confident or just as competent. But, you know, I think it's just your own self-confidence to start with in your capabilities. And then um, I think it leads to learning how to establish relationships and knowing when you can tell people enough is enough, you know, and being willing, you have to stand up for yourself, but you also have to know when you're the new rookie in the fire department, you're going to take a lot of heat and, you know, that pun intended, I think. And um, I'm sure so, you get a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I think that um, that all goes back to, you know, you're going to, you have to be willing to know that you're the rookie and you're going to have to take it, but you also have to stand up for yourself and never give up. I think it's perseverance, you know, and uh, don't let people mistreat you. And, and if people are doing something that's totally illegal, then you have to, there has to be a way that you can stop that. And, you know, there has to be a pathway for you to follow. And that, that goes to your employer at that point, you know, but so yeah. that's why I'm glad when I'm in charge, I can be sure that we have those pathways, you know, and people feel they're being mistreated and they're not being treated fairly, that there is a pathway for that. So, yeah, such great stuff. I love all of that and such great ingredients. So let's go back for a moment. Um, born in Jersey, I saw. Yes, I was. A little yes. small town called Ringwood, New Jersey, way up in the country. Yep. And, and then you spent a lot of time in Texas. I did. And so I noticed it's, I think it was, so it said you were a fourth generation firefighter. I am. Sometimes we rebel, right? And we don't want to be whatever our parents are. 
How did you know that you wanted to be? Was it just, was it because of those role models that you had in your life? Was there ever any other path you thought you would take? So, yeah, you know, it's very interesting. First of all, you know, when I started in the, when I got out of high school, which is a very long time ago, <laughs> but, um, and then got into college, women only did a couple of things. We are either teachers or nurses or, and I'm putting this in quotes, secretaries, right? Or homemakers, you know, we didn't do a lot of different things. Careers weren't really wide open to women in that at that time. So, I mean, even sports, you know, we had women's intramural sports. We didn't have, you know, varsity sports and things like that for women. So, um, this was before Title IX. So, you know, I think that I don't ever remember my great grandfather as, as a child. I do remember my grandfather. So my great grandfather, I do remember seeing a picture of him later in my life, obviously, uh, standing there in front of the holding on to the bridles of the horses with the steamer pumpers behind him. That's how long ago wow. that was, right? And then my grandfather was a volunteer fire chief. And I do remember a little bit of that, you know, especially pictures, you know, at the firehouse and they always had the women's auxiliary and all those kind of things. But my dad, most more than most and more than any of the other two, was um, he worked in, for the Forest Service. So, you know, he did the forest fire, what he called forest fires, which we now call wildland fires. But uh, so it, I didn't really start out want, always wanting to be a firefighter. But once I started, it was like, oh, my gosh, there's no other career for me. This is the best ever. And so I think it was always in my blood. It just took a while to get there, you know. Because yeah. I was a school teacher for, I taught school for like 13 years. Um, so I taught physical education, health. I coached a number of different sports. So, you know, it, it was kind of a great segue. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, you have, well, how many, uh, several hundred people here. And I know when you were in Texas, it was even bigger than that. Um, and so when you have a team that big as and as diverse probably as you have, um, being that coach training, right? Right. Probably comes in yeah. very handy, I would it think. It does. It does. And we have uh, almost 500 people here, including our ocean rescue and our firefighters. We have a little over about 415 firefighters sworn. And then they're mostly the rest 50 or so are ocean rescue and then some civilian employees. So. Mm. so tell me, you know, as a coach, you, uh, I, let's talk about a couple of things. One, diversity. Right. So how, how do you um, ensure that your team is is diverse, right, that that all of our uh, people right uh, in our community are represented and have an opportunity to, to be a part of your team or to be a part of this industry? So, you know, that's a, sometimes it's a big challenge and particularly um up to this point, as an organization, we have required uh, individuals to be both certified as a paramedic and to be certified as a firefighter in order to be eligible to apply to work for the department, at least in the mo more recent times. And I and like I've only been here actually tomorrow will be my three year anniversary being back with Fort Lauderdale. So um, so I don't know. I know what it was like. 20 years ago when I worked here before I left and then came back. But um, so sometimes requirements have adverse impacts. So, 
you know, it may be uh, if you want to improve your diversity, then we need to look at how we hire and what requirements we put on hiring. So in other words, we may hire a certified firefighter and a certified EMT, and then within the next two years of employment, they have to get their paramedic license. So sometimes, uh, like I said, the requirements have adverse impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's important. And then there's a recruitment process, you know, so, and it starts when kids are little. And I always want to be sure that like we do things like go read at uh, elementary school to kids, you know, and particularly we'll pick, you know, schools that have uh, a large demographic, you know, of the minority population so that they can see what they can be because you can't be what you don't see. So it's always important too. And I always put myself out there and that's why I love working with the Girl Scouts because they are so diverse and they are so inclusive and they lift their girls up and they encourage them to be anything they want to be, you know, and that nothing can stop you. And I truly believe that, you know, so, you know, I think it's, it, and it's also being an example and being a role model, you know, if at the top of the department, there is somebody that looks different than all the rest of them white males there's like blacks and there's hispanics and there's asian and there's women and there's men and you know so we we have to see a great representation of our population in the organization yeah and i'm sure that's so important also to go uh out into the community right when you want all of that diversity and so of course with diversity goes culture but before we go down the culture pathway um i want to i'm i'm going to have us go to a little bit of a break uh for our audience so that they can see just a little bit about junior achievement and what some of our kids want to do when they grow up good please welcome tonight's presentation of what i want to do when i grow up When I grow up. I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. I don't want to cry when paying the bills. When I grow up. I don't want to be turned down for a business loan. I don't want to borrow a lot for an education. And then not know what to do with it. When I grow up, I don't want to be paid less. Told I'm underqualified. Or overqualified. When I grow up. When I grow up. I want to know how to save for my future. Find a job I like. And start my own business. When I grow up. I want to know how to provide for my family and invest in my community and make a difference. When I grow up, when I grow up, when I grow up, when I grow up, I just want things to be different. At Junior Achievement, we promote economic empowerment through education, but we can't do it alone. I love that video. It always gives me the chills. I, I was thinking the same thing. It makes you tear up, you know, and you really do want those things for our future. Yeah. You know, we're so fortunate. We have an amazing uh, a partnership with Broward County Public Schools. We also serve South Palm Beach, but in Broward County, we serve every single fifth and eighth grader. And now we're talking about how can we also do the same with 11th graders? And a very big part of what we do and, and the whole eighth grade program is, is wrapped around career exploration. And the research shows that most of our kids only know about five to seven jobs that are out there. 
mostly what their parents did or TV, right? And of course, they all want to be, you know, social influencers these, these days or, you know, rappers or, pop art, you know, or, or NFL players or NBA players, you know. So so those are always in there, especially for the boys. Um, but I think it's so important to get out there and you talk a little bit about that, um, you know, whether it's with the Girl Scouts or reading to the community. I know that the fire uh, department also has um, some programs at some of our schools. Lauder Hill 6 through 12, I think, is one of those. Um, and now I think that they're looking to do one in Pompano uh, somewhere. You know, and, and so in eighth grade, the every single eighth grader comes to JA World after they've done the curriculum in the classroom. And it's all storefronts. You'll have to come for a tour one day. It's all storefronts that are based, that are focused on industries. And it's so interesting to me that by eighth grade, we're asking our students to choose a pathway, mm. right? And so how do we light that fire? No right. pun intended, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and create that passion around this, right? right? Especially in our mm. girls, we have a program called Girls Rule. Same thing, we want them to hear from women like you, uh, mentoring and, and all of that speakers. And it was amazing last year. They don't know about all of this. And so the more we can expose them, the better. And so I love that you're so involved in the community. And I'm guessing that that's part of your culture. Yeah, very much. Very and much. So how do you create a culture? Because your teams are so spread out, right? You have firehouses. Did they call them fire stations? Uh, Either one, houses or stations. Yeah. So they're spread out amongst the, the county. Um so how do you create that culture from the top down when you're so spread out, especially? Yeah. So first of all, we I'm only the chief of Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue. So oh, that's right. You're only Fort Lauderdale. Right. Right. So our, our firehouses are stations. There are uh, 12 of them right now that are situated uh, strategically throughout the city. So, um, but we create that culture. First of all, firefighters are love what they do. So that's always the first number one thing, you know, and people love firefighters and tell me who doesn't love a big red truck, right? So we've got <laughs> in a Dalmatian. right there. <laughs> and then, um, and just, you know, I think it's my own enthusiasm for, first of all, for being out in public and being engaged in the community and, um, and allowing individuals previously, um, maybe the chief wasn't so, um, he wasn't a big advocate of, you know, doing community engagement. And for me, that's who we are. And I believe as an organization, even though we're a service organization, we still have to think about branding and marketing. So when I got here, um, we were changing some I mean, moves. I've done some reorganization and I've got somebody that's a chief officer that's over community engagement. And I have a chief officer that part-time is doing branding, marketing, and public information. And he does a fabulous job, along with being the assistant fire marshal. So we all do multiple tasks. But I think it's uh, creating those opportunities and just having the same enthusiasm. And obviously, during the pandemic, 
what we were doing, but what everybody, they still loved doing it was drive-bys for birthday parties and things yeah. like you know, We'd send these trucks out and, you know, they'd do a drive by the house where the kid's birthday was, or, you know, we did it for um, one of our supporters and it was, she's a huge supporter of a foundation that serves first responders and she was having her hundredth birthday. So, um, and she loved our pink fire truck. I was able to get our, one of our trucks wrapped in pink, which was a fabulous, you know, achievement. And so we did a, we made sure the pink truck drove by her house along with a couple other units for her hundredth birthday, you know? So oh. it's that kind of stuff. And they love doing that, you know, it's just, it's really easy to be engaged in the community. They love that kind of stuff. So and I love to do it. Obviously, you can tell my passion. So it just becomes easy. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you're setting an amazing example. And people watch what we do, right? They don't yeah. listen so much to what we say sometimes. Um, although they do listen to what we say. But they're watching to see if the words and the actions match. Yeah. Right? And obviously, with you, they do see that. Um, and so that's inspiring for most people. And so one of the other things, of course, and this being the recipe for success show, um, one of the other things that you always see depicted on TV is, especially in, in Chicago Fire, is that they love to cook. And, and so often I love when I go to the grocery store and I see yeah. our firefighters, they are shopping for the, for the station, right? And right. cooking. Do they have cooks in each station like how does that work yeah so um yeah each station usually has a cook and sometimes that that rotates you know different people cook and it depends on who's on duty that particular day but a lot of times there is a sort of person that it just ends up being the designated cook you know but um you know firefighters work 24 hours on and then they're off for 48 so when they come on duty at eight o'clock in the morning, then, you know, they get their duties done and then, you know, they'll do some grocery shopping, whatever it is they need to do. And then they'll prepare lunch and dinner for that particular 24 hour shift. And so, and they're very, you know, a lot of them are very good cooks. So it's always nice to be the chief and be invited for lunch, you know, or dinner. And I've been making station visits here over the last few months. I'm trying to make sure that I visit each one of the stations on each one of the three shifts. So, you think about that, I have to make 36 visits, right? Yeah. 12 stations, three shifts, right? And then each visit ends up being at least two hours, you know, and so, but it's fun. I mean, I love sitting down talking to them and, you know, if the tones go off, I'll jump on the truck and ride with them. And, you know, so it's kind of, it's kind of fun, but yes, they're very good cooks. And, you know, some, some, cookbooks are done by firefighters right and then they have chili cook-offs and all kinds of things but yes we do well and so our calendar very good matter, right yeah <laughs> um but so certainly there's a brand of firefighter right when you think about the calendar and it's really funny how we have these these visions right ingrained in our mind but to watch them when they're doing their work, as you said, you know, especially with what's happening down in Miami right now um, and the way that they are responding and how dedicated they are to helping people. But and and I'm sure like what's happening in Surfside, there's there's so much um, 
right negative or not not so good right things don't always turn out um in a good way i saw you posted recently about the cat and you know so some things have a happy ending right and you get everybody out or or everybody is safe but then there are times when they're not how do you get through how do you get the team right through times like that Uh, because i think that's when it's most difficult It is. And um, so there's there's a couple of things. Firefighters, a lot of times, you know, we have these tables that we sit around and when we have our meals. And so sometimes, you know, we'll come back from a call and it's been a particularly hard one. And, you know, we'll sit around and we'll talk. And sometimes it's humor, you know, that gets us through that, you know, and other times we have peer counselors. We also have a couple of chaplains that will visit with our firefighters and and visit the stations after a particularly difficult call. Or I know that uh, the peer uh, counselors have been down in Miami or down in Surfside, you know, talking to the first responders and as the chaplains have been and, you know, they're providing support for the first responders. But it's difficult sometimes, you know, And, and there's some things that you never forget, you know, and they'll always be in your mind. And, you know, sometimes you just learn how to um, make it less important, but it's always there. You know, it's like when you lose a loved one, you never stop missing them. It just gets a little easier as time goes by. Yeah. Or compartmentalize, right? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you have to just kind of put it in its own little box. But that support, especially today, I think with what we've been through with the pandemic, yeah. right? I we're just seeing such increases, not only in our children, but I, I have a mom who's, you know, now in her eighties and I see it with the seniors, right? I see it with our young people, I see it with my own contemporaries, the depression, anxiety, um, right? And the isolation that we went through over the last year and a half. So it's good to see people getting back out and getting back to normal. And because relationships and being with your team and being with people, I think is so important, you know? And I I think for the firefighters, you know, that was one thing that we didn't experience because we were going to work every day, just Mm, like before. We were not quarantining, you know, I mean, we, we had to change how we were doing things tremendously, right, and protecting our own firefighters, but we were going to work every day, so they still had that socialization, you know, and that interaction with each other, even though things had changed tremendously, but so I, I think, and that way, I was very fortunate. I was going to work every single day as well. You know, it's kind of hard to run a fire department from home. You know, yeah. it doesn't you can't do that virtually. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Like fires. That, you know, sort of isolation, if you will. Right. And you know, and we live in a, a great place. So I could be out walking every single day, every morning. You know, at six o'clock, I walked three miles. You know, just for my own peace of mind, right? Did my own workouts and you know, figured it out. Yeah. So important to take care of our own minds and bodies, right? So we can take care of everyone else. So I love all of this. I'm going to read back some of your ingredients uh, because it's really interesting. You know, usually when we're in the the kitchen at J World, which is where we usually do this, and we'll get back to doing that in the next month or so, hopefully, um, we put them on a whiteboard. And so everybody gets to see the ingredients and everybody's like, Wow, and you see them all together, right? That's that's a pretty good uh, recipe. So (laughs) some of the ingredients that I pulled from our conversation uh, in your recipe for success, um, you know, advocating, fighting for what you believe in, for what's right. Talked uh, about that a couple of times. Having confidence in yourself and your own abilities. 
uh, building relationships, setting boundaries, right? Sticking up for yourself, for others. Never give up. Perseverance. I have a feeling that's going to be in your main ingredient somewhere. Just have a feeling about that. Uh, follow your passion, right? For you, it was, it was in your blood, you said, oh, right? Yes. You followed it. Um, looking at the requirements of things, looking at life, you know, sometimes we try to fit things into the box, but sometimes we have to reshape the box, right? And that's kind of what I heard you saying, um, so that we make sure that everyone has access to that box. Yeah. Um, don't let anything stop you. There's that perseverance again. Being a role model, a mentor, community oriented, right? Giving back to our community and being involved. Um, branding and marketing. And I think that's interesting because I think that's important not only for ourselves, right? You you brand who you are, right? right? The Absolutely. things that you put out there into the world, tell us who you are, um, as well as the branding and marketing, right, of, of the organization uh, and over your team. Spending time with your people. I love that. You know, I, I, we don't have that big of a team. We're only typically about 31 people, but even though they're not, not all my direct reports, I love to meet with everybody at least a couple of times a year. What are your dreams? What's happening? Right. How are things going? Um, just, you know, new family, you know, just want to know what they're doing and, you know, Yep, you want to stay connected. Yeah. And that's what I hear yeah. you saying. Staying connected to your people is part of your culture. Providing supports that they need and the resources, yeah. right? If they don't have the right tools to do their job, yeah. they're going to get hurt. Somebody else is going to get hurt. Um, and then, of course, for you and for all of them, taking care of themselves, taking care of yourself, mind and body and spirit, I think is so important. Um, so lots of really great ingredients. But I always ask everyone, so Chief Kerr, what is your main ingredient to success? So, you know, I was my three things that people ask me, what do I do um, to, uh, you know, stay calm and stress free? And yes, it is. A, there's a lot of stress. Right. And so I always say it's red wine, dark chocolate and humor. <laughs> I love it. I have never gotten those three ingredients. I didn't think that you would. I don't know if I can tell eighth graders that that's the recipe for success, but well, I mean, you may have to get rid of the red wine part. Yeah. So, but I so, mean, I really, truly, I mean, I love to say that because, you know, it kind of, it brings humor to a whole situation. Right. But um, I mean, I really think it is perseverance and passion and uh, relationships. I think those three things are so critical to, to being successful. Mm. So, you know what's so funny? Those are my three. Uh -huh. I had a feeling that's where I can just, you know, I can usually sense from conversation where people are. There are, there are others that are all about love and caring and empathy and those things. I'm a New Yorker, you're in New Jersey. <laughs> You know we're we're tough, right? Yeah, and so, have to be tough. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and I'm half Italian, half Spanish, so Mediterranean blood. The passion, right? Yeah. Of course, has to be there. And I can tell you're a people person. So I had a feeling that those three, in some combination, were in there. But I love your main ingredients to success: red wine, dark chocolate, and humor. And you're <laughs> right; we can't always take ourselves so seriously, no, right? We can't. So, I love it. I hope that um, over the next few months we'll have, or at some point soon, we'll have a chance to meet in person. I would like uh, that. love to invite you out to JA World. 
come visit you, whatever works, um, but definitely want to meet you in person. And I want to say thank you so much for sharing. I want our girls to hear your story. Uh, I'm like you. I believe I've started several girls and women's programs through JA, through Leadership Broward, a couple of others. Um, it's just so important. I had amazing mentors in my life. I was so fortunate, yeah. right? Um, and they they were tough. Some of them were tough, right? Being in New York, some of those women were tough mentors, but they saw things in me that I didn't always see. Yeah. And we need to do that. And, you know, and for me, a lot of my mentors, particularly in the fire service were men because there yeah. weren't, and I mean, I was one of the first women, you know, to be a chief and, you know, so, you know, there weren't a lot of mentors out there. I mean, I have certainly been a mentor for others. So, you know, I'm, pleased to do that so well absolutely and we're going to get all the women involved on your team in our girls rules so that they can okay. meet some of the women doing that'd what you great. do that'd be great yeah and, and they I, can hear i just want to tell you one thing for the first time in our 109 year history we have a woman in every single rank in fire rescue and ocean rescue Woo! Yep. So. i love it Girl power, as we say, right? We all have our superpowers. That's that's the whole theme of Girls Rule is about, you know, really making sure that we help our girls to find their superpowers, their passion, as you said, yeah. um, and and help them to learn how to bring that to life. And so thank you so much oh, for being so you. open and sharing with us. And thank you for everything that you do thank for you. us, for the community, to keep us all safe. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for inviting me, really. I had a great time. Love to do it again. Would love to visit. Would love to do something. Anything we can do to promote women and, and girls. And I'm all for it. And anybody, really. Not not just women and girls. But, you know, I think it's important more so for women and girls to know that what they can be and do besides, you know, being um, a mother. Exactly. Or, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what, though? I also think, I mean, look, 70% of the students that we serve are from our low income communities, right? Right. And, right. right. and that is so important. They don't right. have the exposure, right. right? That that we're talking about that some yeah. other, the other students have. Right. And that's our goal. Ours is, is access yes. to every single Broward County student. Yeah, that's unique. Um, and, and so we feel a great responsibility right. to that. Yeah. And I would like to have a conversation with you sometime. And uh, outside of this, I sit on a commission. It's called NIAC, the National Infrastructure Advisory Council. And it's a presidential appointment. And right now we are working on a workforce and talent management for mm. critical infrastructure. And what we're finding is, is that there are many very good high paying jobs but they don't necessarily require a four-year degree. And that's oh. what we're trying to is, you know, it's it's always been looked at that you have to get a four-year degree to get a great job. And but when you think about say hydroelectric and power and you know, all this critical infrastructure that have to be kept running during any kind of time, everybody is important. So, yeah. and there's a lack of uh, people applying and be getting credentialed for those jobs. So we yeah, I think talk about that sometime about how that could be part of, you know, I can get a job and I don't necessarily need a four-year degree, but guess what? I don't have to worry about crying when I have to pay the bills every month, you know? Right. 
You know, and I hear that um, in some other industries as well, right? right? And right. I think the pendulum swung, right? Where right. at one time, right, we taught trades and shop right. and all of those right. things. And then the and pendulum swung and it was college only, yeah. right? If you, when you come, because I, I know you will, you'll come to the world, you'll see the marine industry is represented, the construction right. industries, yeah. the automotive industry, right? The retail, logistics, right. all of those different things. Now we're talking with manufacturers, uh, and the aerospace and the technology. And we need to have, first right. of all, public service, right? Through the, the fire. But also, as you just said, those other jobs in infrastructure. Right. Transportation, so uh, power and water, water treatment. You know, there are certain industries that we cannot live without, no matter what, that are part of our critical infrastructure that have to be kept running or, or we fail. Yep. Well, I love it. We're going to get together so we can make sure, because I can tell you, I didn't even think of all those jobs. I know our kids are not thinking right. of it. So thank you for that. And we will certainly do whatever we can uh, to help them bring awareness to those jobs. Okay. Um, so thank you again. Thank and I will you. see you soon and okay. have an amazing rest of the week and a happy July 4th. Yeah. Same to you. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Take have care. Bye-bye. Okay, let me 